the International Door Association's DoorCast. The ITA DoorCast will provide news and notes from the building and remodeling industry and tips and tidbits to help you improve your business. Now, here's your DoorCast host, IDA Executive Director, Mike Fisher. Welcome to the IDA DoorCast. This is Mike Fisher, Executive Director of the International Door Association. I'm talking to you from the Whining Bar Cafe. Today's topic is door industry reputation, bad bobs, and more. Many service industries have had to deal with their share of bad actors, whether violating elder care laws, performing unnecessary repairs, or price gouging. Bad bobs can give the door industry a bad name. Throw in the issues related to fake Google ads in the competitive arena has become more challenging than ever. Joining me today are two veterans of this battle, Tom Wadsworth, an industry veteran, recently retired editor of Door and Access Systems Magazine, and I must say is a champion of the door business reputation. Also joining us is Kevin Petit, also recently retired in his role as IDA president. So Kevin is our immediate past president and a longtime volunteer within the organization for both IDA and IDEA on both boards. Kevin owns Smokey's Garage Door in Glendale, Arizona. And I got to tell you guys, I'm really happy that you're joining me today. This is going to be an interesting discussion. Tom, hello, and thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks, Mike, and good to talk to you, Kevin. Kevin, thanks. Appreciate your time today. You know, it's always a pleasure for me. So uh, looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. Well, let's get into it. We're going to talk about door industry reputation. We're going to talk about how this reputation can affect the members of the public as well as the members of IDA. You know, the thing about this issue is it's, it's evolved so much that we have given it a name. We've heard all about bad bobs. So, Tom, I'm going to ask you, what exactly is a bad bob? Yeah, that's a term I gave to this, uh, this thing uh, several years ago, about 20 years ago. I needed to give it a name at the time because it, it's hard to be able to describe this problem without, you know, pointing fingers at specific people. So I came up with this generic name of bad bob. And it really defines is defined by four different characteristics in a company. Uh, number one, Bad Bob is usually known for doing a lot of advertising. Uh, back 20 years ago, he was doing extensive and heavy uh, yellow page advertising, but most of that's gone away and it's been replaced by online ads, uh, Google ads and a Google presence or whatever it is online. So a lot of advertising, number one. Number two, they usually focus on the residential replacement market. They've noticed for, and the whole industry has noticed for a long time that your margins tend to be better when you're doing pair work. And uh, the residential repair work was also, was a particular focus because people would have a, a broken spring and they'd call somebody out. And this was a great way to, to do a gotcha situation if you're a bad Bob. And then once they get in your garage, here comes the other two features of a common bad Bob situation. Uh, one is doing unnecessary repairs. And number two, or actually number four in this list, is overcharging, uh, taking advantage of the customer by charging them a whole lot more than what they would normally pay for this product or this part or this service from anybody in the area. Well, Tom, it sounds like you've put a box around this problem. Kevin's a door dealer in Arizona, as we mentioned. So, Kevin, from your perspective with Smokey's Garage Door, can you give us an example of how you know what this looks like to a homeowner? Well, let's see. Only one, I guess. What one particular situation? A, a while back, uh, we have a uh, an individual who owns a few different houses. One of their tenants called for repair. One of these local bad bobs come out came out to the uh, to do the repair work and was basically given 
a credit card number with ultimately the work that was performed, it ended up being $1,200, and the reason for the call was that the customer felt the door hit the ground a little too firmly. They reached out to me and uh, had a conversation as professionally as I could, but uh, unfortunately, that was one that a few years back, but uh, to go from a, a door hitting the ground a little bit firmly to a $1,300 expense was um, very, very embarrassing for, for me in this industry and how it affected us. Thanks, Kevin. That's not a very good story. Uh, Tom, I know you've got um, a horror story from your research. Can you bring us up to speed on that? Yeah, actually, I've been collecting uh, bad invoices or bad Bob invoices for a long time. And I think the worst invoice I ever came across and I have a copy of was actually in your market, Kevin. It was uh, in the Phoenix general market. It wasn't you, of course that was guilty of this, but this particular invoice, the, the dealer went out, there apparently was a, a garage door opener problem, and they ended up replacing two openers on this garage and doing a host of other repairs, and the total invoice was over $5,000. There were no new doors involved, just two new openers, and then plus a host of other repairs like changing out the springs or changing out whatever hardware they could think of to change out and... Uh, racked up an enormous bill of over $5,000. You often see this kind of thing, not that amount, but just doing unnecessary repairs and taking advantage of the customer's lack of awareness of what garage door stuff costs and really putting it to the, to the customer. So Tom, I think it's difficult to define overcharging, but I think when an invoice for a couple of doors ends up costing two or three times more than buying completely new doors would cost, I think it's pretty safe to say that that's an example of overcharging. Does that make sense to you? Yes. It's one thing I've said for a long time is that uh, when the repair of a product costs more than a brand new product, then the repair price is completely out of line. And it's the same thing with, with your computer. Imagine if you had needed some repairs done to your computer and then the repairs to your computer cost more than a brand new computer. Who in their right mind would do that? Or if repairs to your car cost more than a new car, who's going to do that? But that's what Bad Bob has been doing for a long time. And the, the way they can get away with that is because people know what a new car costs. People know what a new uh, computer may cost, but they don't know what uh, a new garage door opener costs. They don't know what a new garage door costs. They don't know what springs cost, rollers, etc. And they grossly take advantage of the customer in these situations. Thanks, Tom. So, Kevin, that means that you really can't tell your wife that you need to get your plane repaired, but the repair costs more than a new airplane. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, Kevin, if you take what Tom just described with that worst invoice ever, and, and you mentioned you know, an example of, of a, a situation that you encountered, have you ever gotten into a situation where you've actually felt, on behalf of the door industry, where you felt guilty about what some other person, a bad Bob, had done to where you actually made concessions or taken some other action on behalf of the industry on your own with Smokey's Garage Store? Uh, I have, and, and I, I certainly hope others uh, who have come behind a bad Bob have, have at least felt the same almost responsibility to professionalism. We've had numerous instances here where, again, some might say we've gone above and beyond the call, but it's it's the right thing to try to repair the reputation that's been tarnished by a bad Bob. So yeah, we've either given severe discounts or in some cases even given away some free parts just to try to, to make amends and, and let that customer know that uh, that was a, uh, a very, very unfortunate situation that they had experienced. 
but that many, many others in the industry are professional, are, are ethical, and we're out there at the ready when needed. Well, hopefully that would turn into a, a repeat customer as well. So that's not a bad investment, I would say. Let's switch gears a little and follow up on another one of Tom's points, which is the advertising. You know, one of the biggest forms of advertising for the service industry today, which the garage door industry is part and parcel of, are using Google Maps or Google business listings or service listings. So we're, we're dealing with results from search engines like Google, which is the leader in the market. And we're, we're really looking at those results and how they play. And I know that the issue of fake listings has been something that I'm getting a lot of phone calls and emails about from our members. So, Tom, tell us your perspective on that problem. Yeah, there's a sort of two aspects to this. Number one is when somebody purchases Google ads. That's uh, one way that uh, a lot of businesses, bad bobs, were taking advantage of customers by flooding Google with a lot of ads. Uh, but Google cracked down on the garage door industry specifically back around, I think it was 2017, 2018, when they noticed that of the there was the two notorious industries for ripping off customers and abusing Google. And one of those two uh, industries that Google is aware of, that Google has spoken out about, is the garage door industry, much to our own shame, I think. But uh, so what they did was they instituted this uh, verification process. Now, anybody in a lot of markets throughout the country who wants to purchase Google ads must have a business verification process that uh, Google actually goes through and studies their business, making sure they're all on the up and up. And that has actually successfully weeded out a large percentage of bad bobs who were abusing uh, Google ads. But now then there's a second part of the Google problem, and that's people who aren't purchasing ads, but are manipulating uh, Google results by getting a whole bunch of phony or fake uh, listings for their company or a zillion other names of companies that uh, all ultimately route to their own company. And this fake listing problem was notified or was noticed by the Wall Street Journal just about, what, a year and a half or two years ago when the Wall Street Journal published a story saying that there are millions of fake listings on Google now. And, it, uh, and they also noticed, the Wall Street Journal noticed that the garage door industry is one of the major problems in that. And that problem continues to this day because there, uh, people don't have to pay Google in order to get a Google street listing. They just have to get their name out there. And, and then it goes on that way. I could probably go on about that, but you get the idea. These two levels, Google ads and also Google listings uh, on Google Maps or Google Streets. Thanks, Tom. So it's way past where we were with the yellow page situation. Now we're talking about, it's about quality and quantity. So just flooding the market with ads as well as fake ads for companies that don't even exist. I should probably add there, a study was done about a year ago by three different uh, Google My Business product experts who studied five different markets around the country for problems with these fake listings on Google. And they found out that in many markets, you have as many as 75% of the garage door companies listed in these markets were fake listings. They were not real companies. But if you did contact these fake listings, you eventually end up with a, a bad Bob who's going to get you. So it's, it's that bad of a problem so that 75, even up to 90% of some of the listings in certain markets will be phony listings 
that are designed to attract consumers to go to these listings and call somebody and they'll end up being routed to a bad Bob. So Kevin, put on your Smokies hat again. What can a door dealer do about the fake listings? That's a good question, Mike, because many of us really don't know what we can do. Uh, I think it really comes down to education. Uh, I know that IDA, we have um, prepared and written articles in our magazine. One of our preferred providers, Market Hardware, who is engaged with SEO and, and uh, digital advertising. So they uh, can provide education and can answer questions about uh, maybe any of your particular markets that you're concerned with. But it's really learning about it yourself and then uh, educating your, uh, your consumers or the general public. Uh, those of us who have websites, if you can put something together, even if it's just uh, uh, textual, uh, something like that is going to be good to educate the general public. Shows that you're a professional, that you're con- you're aware of a of a known concern, and that you're being proactive and again trying to educate the public. And uh, anything we can do in that regard is is going to be work together with your competitors and um, ultimately end up well. I'd like to add to that, uh, Kevin. Uh, I just had a couple of long talks this morning with a couple of the Google My Business product experts. These are not Google employees, but these are experts who deal with these Google listings. And as it comes right down to it, there's almost nothing somebody can do about uh, fake listings in your market. I should point out that the fake listing problem is one that is more of a problem in large metropolitan areas. Like, uh, Kevin, you're in the uh, Scottsdale, Phoenix area. It's a problem there. But you go to Atlanta, it's a problem. You yes. go to St. Louis and, and uh, et cetera, Seattle, uh, all over, Dallas, Fort Worth. My goodness, it's a real Dallas, problem with fake yeah. listings there. But if you're going to talk about small, uh, some of the smaller markets, this fake listing issue is, is a non-issue. But it's there in the big markets where it's a huge issue. Now, Google has offered a Google... I think it's called a business redressal form, which is the worst name in the world. And if you wanted to complain about a competitor who is using fake listings in your market, you can go to the Google business redressal form and uh, fill out a complaint and it will go off into the middle of nowhere. uh, And Google says they'll do something about it. But the chances are really uh, the, the evidence is showing it doesn't go anywhere. But the way to actually get something done When the Wall Street Journal or an entity with huge amount of clout publishes a a nationwide story about millions of fake listings, Google jumped on that problem overnight and erased tens of thousands of fake listings. But it took the Wall Street Journal to get that done. I could could come up with several different cases over the years where it took a major media exposure whether by NBC nationally, CBS or ABC or CNN, you know, doing some of these big exposures that made waves for certain entities like Google. And that's when they finally would respond and do something about it. But the chances of them responding to me complaining or to a local dealer complaining about fake listings are almost nil. That does kind of make Google look bad, but just maybe if I can say a word in their behalf, you got to remember this is a a global firm with billions and billions of dollars of advertising and millions of hits on all their properties every day, if not every hour. And to finally, to to do something about one guy in one market is, it's not going to happen, guys. 
So Tom, that's really a question of scale and their ability to, re to respond on a local level. I get it. And I understand your I understand how you're defending them. Let's switch gears a little bit now and talk about the overcharging question uh, and, and pricing in particular. Why is that a problem, Tom? I mean, how do you see it? Uh, through what lens do you see that problem? Well, the problem for us as an industry is, is that once somebody realizes that they've been had, that they just paid hundreds of dollars more for a spring change than they could have by another local guy, that comes back and makes all of us look bad. And plus, it, it does Aunt Martha no no service at all. And Aunt Martha is the victim of that scam. And she's taken her Social Security income to pay some some guy to, to, to rip her off in that respect. This is just terrible PR for all of us. And that's why I think we need to do something about that, at least do the best we can. Overcharging is a real problem. You may... The guy who's getting away with it may be able to be really glad that he's took a couple extra hundred dollars, he stuffed it in his pocket and laughed all the way to the bank. But uh, somebody finds out before too long. And that somebody may be calling your local TV station and showing them the invoice that got this. And then that the local TV station then compares that invoice with what a reputable dealer is charging in that area. And oh my goodness. The other problem with overcharging is if you're the guy that's ripping people off, there's slim and no chance that they're going to come back to you the next time they, they need service. We really got to take care of our customers. Everybody does. The reason why Bad Bob gets away with it in these large markets is they can rip off 100,000 people and still have a few million others to prey on with their business tactics. But it's, it's just bad for all of us in terms of PR and our overall industry reputation. So it's not just about making a profit. It's also about a certain level of fairness, if we can even use that word in this context. Yes. I might add that one thing I've said to dealers in the seminars I've given around the country on this is that uh, what would you charge your mother-in-law? What would you charge your mom for the services you're doing? Mm -hmm. And if you wouldn't charge somebody that you know that much, why are you doing it to somebody else? It's sort of the, the, the golden rule if you don't want other people to do bad things to you, then don't do bad things to them. We have an enormous opportunity to do good things and spread a great reputation about this industry by taking care of these customers and doing it right. But when we're missing those opportunities, we're missing out for all of us. Let me add to that one more thing, Mike, but this is on my mind. I uh, follow some of the Facebook groups that uh, Garage Door Technicians belong to, and there are thousands of technicians who are posting minute by minute. In the time we've already been doing this podcast, I'm sure there's been a hundred posts on all the different garage door Facebook groups. Well, sometimes you'll see somebody who post a, a statement out there or a question to other techs in the group and say, hey, what are you guys charging for a spring change? Or what are you guys charging for uh, to change out rollers? Forget the, the antitrust problems there and the colluding and the price fixing implications that go with a question like that. But the thing that I'm shocked at is the responses to questions like that. There's a whole lot of techs out there who are proud of the fact that they are gouging the customer for hundreds of dollars more than what competitors are doing, and they brag about it. And they seem to have no conscience about that at mm -hmm. all. This is not a good thing. And they, they, their bragging goes on unchecked because they're, they're so forceful about it. Nobody's willing to stay up, stand up and say, hey, guys, what are you doing? Come on, take care of your customers. Don't rip them off. 
I learned early in my career, Tom, that in, in my sales career to look for customers, not orders. So I think you're really talking about that relationship with the customer and a competitive price is a fair price. It doesn't mean you have to be the lowest guy in town, but it does mean that you should be competitive and that then would imply fairness. So I get what you're saying. So a follow-up question, is overcharging illegal? I'll, I'll kind of jump on that one. You know, we, uh, we've looked into that and, and no, actually putting a, um, a dollar value on something, there is, there's nothing illegal about what you want to, what you want to charge as a, uh, as a, as a company or as a, a technician, uh, save a couple of instances. Whenever a, uh, government entity declares a state of an emergency, uh, let's say down the Gulf Coast, whenever hurricanes come through and the, the governors say, uh, you know, declare a state of emergency, that's where, Gasoline stations and stuff—they have to fix, they have to hold their prices. They can't take advantage of a situation. Another one uh, on our side is that, that actually, Tom, you'll be able to uh, kind of talk a little bit about is elder abuse laws. So there are laws set in place that uh, protect our elder community from being taken advantage of. And we talk about the the ignorance—not in a bad connotation, but just simply there's we don't know what is an appropriate price for a certain part. But Tom, I think you've got some. Uh, um, information on something that occurred out in a great state of California re- just regarding this exact example. That's right, Kevin. I think that it was 2017 when a particular technician for a particular company was uh, charged with elder financial abuse there. And, and I have a, I got a copy of the entire court proceedings that took place in court where what happened there was the, the attorney who was prosecuting the bad Bob in this case presented into evidence the invoices from uh, the the overcharging examples there, and then they brought in competitive, honest dealers and asked them on the stand what it cost to do this. What's the going rate? And the going rate might have the guy might have said, "Well, the going rate for this is about two hundred fifty dollars." And then they look at the invoice and it says six hundred dollars. And then you you present stuff like that before a jury in court. And people will gasp and say, oh, my word, there may not be a law in your state that prevents people from charging whatever they want. But you come down to a court situation where an elder abuse situation, and they realize that somebody got taken for hundreds of dollars, which is happening every day in this industry by these bad bobs, then we don't look good and you're going to lose. And this guy lost big time in court. And it was not a good thing. And and Tom, you know, you just mentioned earlier about how unfortunately these unscrupulous, we'll say, technicians brag about it. You know, they're, they're proud of the fact that they that they've uh, uh, taken advantage of of, of of being an elderly individual or, or you know someone younger. That that's the tragedy is that that discussed in in the social media and amongst when you're waiting to pick up product at a distribution center or something like that, and guys actually brag about it. And that's just that's just so frustrating to to, to witness. And that's been happening, I think, because what happens in these bad Bob situations is uh, a lot of technicians, their first experience in our industry is with a bad Bob, being a tech for one of these guys. And the only way they know to do business, the only way is by getting as much out of each customer as you can, and that the individual technicians are rewarded for getting $1,000 for a $100 job. And they even get they get high fives and pats on the back and awards for doing that. And then, but often Bad Bob is not very good at treating his employees. 
And these employees end up bolting and going off and starting their own company. And this thing spawns a whole industry. There are now hundreds of bad bobs out there who were trained by the worst people in the industry how to do business. And they don't know any other way to do business. This is the only way they know. And they think it's perfectly okay so that they do brag about it and uh, talk about it with other people. This is good stuff. Let's talk now about IDA and the role that IDA plays. So, Kevin, as you know, we have the Ethics Committee that was recently established. We also have the Code of Business Conduct, which has been updated. And I know as, as a leader of IDA, this is something that's near and dear to your heart, activity that IDA has undertaken. Give us your perspective on how that's playing out. Well, it's, uh, it's never enough. Uh, you know, you're right. We, uh, last, uh, last year, we put together the, uh, the Ethics Committee, and, and that in its infancy, formally, is something that I'm proud of and eager to participate in, and I'm very glad that we'll be able to present this to uh, to the industry and to our membership. But things never occur quickly enough, and so those of you listening today might be uh, you know have that same feeling where you've you've been been behind a, a bad Bob who uh, maybe uh, I even had a situation recently where we had done springs literally two months prior to uh, this event. Uh, a local bad bob came out and you know their position is if you want a new garage door opener you have to use our springs oh and by the way the smokies put the wrong springs in so now i find myself having to defend the work that one of my you know my, actually my lead service technician actually had done so now they are the expert and i'm a very inexperienced person they put the opener in we go out to the house and demonstrate what is proper tom you mentioned about you know guys uh, being trained by these bad bobs? Well, I have found that their focus really doesn't seem to be getting into the depth of knowledge of, of how to fix things. It's how to sell things. So consequently, if you go out to a property where the door is not balanced ideally, I wonder sometimes, do these guys even know how to make that adjustment? As each of you listening to me right now in your brain, you already know what to do. Hopefully, you know what to, what to do there. So we go back out and uh, have to defend ourselves against the, the practices of this particular uh, uh, company that had come out. So we've experienced this for years and years, and it really, in my case, up to almost four decades, and it has certainly gotten worse the past 20, 25 years or so. But it's never fast enough. It is happening. Tom alluded to the fact that there's just the proliferation of this type of business practices growing like a, like a virus across the entire country, to be timely. Um, but I think as, as we all are aware, we can hopefully get involved with the International Door Association and DASMA, the, the, the Manufacturers Association. These two organizations are, are we're working to establish as much educational information for you and also to help push out to your, your customers as well. On that point, Kevin, I, I recall it was around uh, when we first broke the big story that exposed one of the bad bobs back in 2015. Around 2016, I think, IDA and DASMA got together and formed the Task Force on Industry Reputation, and they went to work in producing a lot of educational materials, and four of the big things that came out of that was four videos, four consumer alert videos that helped to warn consumers about the various red flags that should go up when you're dealing with bad bobs in their area ways to detect what they're doing, ways to detect a bad bob from the ads that they put out there, and certainly ways that they answer the phone, and certainly things that they do once they're in your garage, too. 
But those four videos have been out there. They're on the YouTube page for DASMA and for IDA and for IDEA also has these uh, videos available. A lot of the manufacturers that post them on their right. websites and dealers as well. So they are out there and available. If you just want to Google consumer alert video for the garage door repair scam, you will find uh, these videos and you can, you can, you're free to use those at dealers, wherever you are, post them on your website, post them on your Facebook page, your, your Twitter account, wherever it is, and get the word out to help to warn consumers about this problem. That's one thing, one of the great things that the industry has done in coming together to fight this problem. Tom, that is good stuff. Thanks for sharing that. That little gem of information, I think, can go a long way towards getting the message out there. While we're talking about getting the message out there, you spoke earlier about the Wall Street Journal. What about other media? Is there a, is there a role for other media to play in helping us with the bad Bob scenarios? Frankly, I think of all the tools at our disposal to fight this problem, the one that actually has more effect than anything else is the media. If you have a problem with fake listings or another bad Bob activity in your area, get your get the evidence together, collect some bad invoices that show it, or, or show some bad uh, Google listings that are fake, and there's ways to prove that they're fake, and then show this stuff to your local media, to a local consumer advocate of your local television station, and let them do a report. And then you just sit back and let them do their job. And there, a lot of these stations around the country have had hidden camera investigations where they've invited certain companies to come into a particular garage and see what they do when the only problem is like a photo eye that's out of alignment. Let's see what they do. And this has been done by the Today Show on NBC, other national broadcasts that uh, have exposed this problem to a lot of people. But somebody had to contact the news media to begin with to inform them that this is a problem and ways that they can prove it uh, in, a, in a story. And this has happened dozens of times. I think I, I, I've drafted up a, a list of all the different t television exposés that have taken place in this country in the last five years, and there's dozens of them. So if you do have a problem in your area, think about calling the media. And usually a TV station is better than calling a, a newspaper or a radio station. Although I think they're in the Phoenix market, the, the the local newspaper there, as I recall, Kevin, the Arizona Republic had a big expose Republic, in their newspaper yes. on this problem and exposed some bad actors in your area as well. But somebody had to talk to them. So pick up the phone and call your reporter. And uh, But you better have your evidence together. Don't just complain because you'll be passed off as just a, a disgruntled competitor but get the evidence. And it is available and it takes a little work, but you can do it. And, and Tom, you are absolutely right. Unfortunately, the Phoenix market, as you indicated before, has, has been a, a hotbed uh, for that type of uh, practice. And we've got several organizations out there that are notorious for that. You know, I mentioned we kind of talk about cameras. You know, nowadays, it's so easy for you, for, uh, you, know, you go to the, to the local um, hardware store and spy company, <laughs> as diversified as these big box stores are. And you can get a little camera that looks like a, looks like a coin. And um, as silly as this sounds, I go back into the, you know, the eighties. I started in 1982 back then always wondered, am I being videotaped? Now, back then it was a great big old VHS, uh, you know, seven pound thing that you had to slug on your shoulder to be able to do it. But I would actually talk to my employees just if you're shame on you, but if you're ever thinking about borrowing that golf ball, or you see something in a customer's garage that you think you wanted to take, you're on TV. And um, where before it was a kind of a joke, 
uh, nowadays, it's something that's a reality. We have uh, garage door opener manufacturers who have cameras that come with their uh, with their installations. That's obvious to see. So uh, we in the in this industry, again, I pray that be honest, people don't even need to have this as a serious concern. But there are cameras everywhere, and if you're so uh, if you're ever tempted, just remember you're being videotaped right now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And um, we've seen the the things as Tom has indicated on. Uh, Today show and and others keep that in mind yeah about. speaking to that point uh, kevin about the today show is a good example of uh, they had a hidden camera in a garage and it showed the uh, the technician coming into the garage and with that one he went out into the yard and urinated in the yard he had to go so yeah. bad there was also <laughs> a national broadcast in canada on the cbc where they also had a hidden camera set up in a corner of the garage, a dark corner, and the guy waltzes up to the corner and urinates in a bucket right right in front of the camera. Uh, this is this is not the industry reputation that we want to have. As it, the, the Today Show thing had Matt Lauer laughing about garage door guys urinating in customers' uh, yards. This is not good, folks. Yeah. Just always assume that you're on camera. Be on your best behavior. Yes. And things should go just fine. Actually, Tom, I think that advice goes way beyond the garage door business and what we do in, in our work. And that's probably words to live by in every aspect of our lives. I've heard it said that mm-hmm. you can identify someone's character by what they do when no one's looking. So I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a really good yeah. point. Now, we're getting ready to close here. As, you know, we, as always, seem to run out of time with, with these uh, podcasts. But I want to I kind of close with a couple of final questions. IDA wants to be in a leadership role to help elevate the industry. This door business that we love so much, we want to do our part. So, Kevin, I'll start with you for your final round here. What can door dealers who want to succeed now that we're in this new abnormal, what can door dealers do? Well, you know, I think it can be as, as basic as stepping back and just saying, is this what you want to do? For me, this is I've been doing it for 39 years now, so I made that decision many, many years ago. But if you have realized that this truly can be an outstanding industry, it's very satisfying emotionally, financially, with ethical and truly professional practices, you can make an outstanding living. Make that definition within your own mind. And then where do we go from there? Educate yourself. Uh, Look to the International Door Association and the educational opportunities that we have available. The Institute of Door Dealer Education and Accreditation, IDEA, have, again, outstanding training opportunities for individual certification as well as company accreditation. Um, that, that organization, Tom and I, we mentioned earlier, were, were both involved early on. I'm, I'm proud to say I was on the first board of directors, and but it's something that was very, very important to me, and uh, Tom was right there with me. That organization is, is an excellent vehicle to use to, to learn uh, the nuts and bolts of the industry. There are discussions on business practices, terminology, the how-tos, the what-not-to-do, and um, IDEA uh, will work very well for you. And I just just kind of remember that you do not have to behave the way these bad bobs have. And again, we all know who they are. We've all been behind them with a customer. Uh, There is a tremendous amount of work out there. I'm very fortunate. I'm in a very large, I think now we're the fifth largest city in the country. So Phoenix is a great market. I'm very, very fortunate to be in. But 
Um, I do not have to screw, if I can say it this way, I do not have to screw every customer that me and my technicians go to. We can treat them honestly. We can treat them fairly with fair pricing, not cheapest pricing. I will not be the lowest guy. Uh, I don't want to be there. I hope uh, my people are deserving and my my reputation and the quality of our work and uh, all would, would, would justify a fair price. Um, but you do not have to behave that way. Have a clear conscience. Do the right thing. I raise my kids that way. Do the right thing. You know what it is. Just do the right thing. And um, I think that will uh, uh, bode well for you in, your, uh, in this incredible career in the future that you've uh, chosen upon. Excellent. Thanks, Kevin. So, Tom, you get the last shot, so to speak. So tell us your perspective on how today's door dealer can navigate through this new abnormal and the bad Bob scenarios. Right, Mike. I, a lot of door dealers that I talk to kind of throw up their hands and figure there's nothing they can do. But I think you need to do something. The only way we're going to deal with this problem is when we, we all join together and, and try to speak out about it. I recommend to door dealers change the front page of your website or, or add a note on there that warns local consumers about scam artists in your area. Do not name names. You know, that's just going to get you in legal trouble. But warn consumers about scam artists. Do it on Facebook. Do it in your Twitter account. If you buy an ad on your local television or radio station or in the newspaper, warn people about this. Set yourself up out there as the good guy, which you are if you're not doing this stuff, and, and warn people about the bad things that are going on. Now, one thing I've telling, been telling dealers for a long time is a statement I heard a long time ago was the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Let's not be that guy who does nothing. But when we all stand up and say, we're better than this, we're not going to allow this to go on unchecked, we're going to do something about it. Then finally, we can do something about it. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I found this to be a fascinating discussion. And the reason is every time we talk, I learn something more. So I want to, I want to really thank you both for taking time today to come on and talk about, about how we can improve our industry, how, how we can make this a better door business, not just for those of us who are here, but remember the door industry is a family industry and we want to make sure that we, uh, you know, as Kevin, as you alluded to, leave something for the generations to come. So Thank you both for joining the IDA DoorCast today. Hopefully invite you back for a follow-up as things progress. Uh, We're always looking for uh, the opportunity to to catch up on issues. So, Tom, thanks very much for for coming on today. Kevin, as always, a pleasure. Thank you so much, Tom. Good to see you and wonderful. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Good to see you again, Kevin. We'll talk again. Absolutely, my friend. We hope to see you both soon. Thanks again to our guests, Tom Wadsworth and Kevin Petit, and thank you to our listeners. We hope you enjoyed this week's IDA DoorCast. This is Executive Director Mike Fisher signing off from the Winding Bar Cafe. Goodbye until next time. Thank you for listening to the IDA DoorCast. Be sure to catch our next episode. For more information about IDA, visit doors.org. See you next time.